0: The Beer EDU Podcast, episode 125, live and in person with Ben and Kyle. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon.
1: Kyle, what up? Dude, we're in person right now. We are. We are actually recording this in person in Reno in a crazy uh, hotel room in the Peppermill.
0: Yeah. And uh, this is the first time that we've seen each other since April or May of 2020. I don't exactly remember the last time I saw you right. uh, in person. I mean, we've obviously talked to each other quite a bit. What, yes. um hundred some episodes a bit That's right. since then. But uh, no, this is our first in-person one in a while.
1: Yes. So, we should probably do introductions. Yeah, We're all, all this throng, we're about- thrown off because we're actually in the same room. Yeah.
0: So I am Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech, same thing with Instagram. My book is To the Edge, Success and Failures to Risk-Taking. You can find that on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and through my publisher, Edumatch Publishing. And then I have a uh, newly active blog that I've been starting oh, to I do saw. some writing a little bit yes. more again lately. So that's at andersonedtech.net.
1: And Ben, who is sitting right across from me right now, you are. I am Ben Dixon. I'm the other half of the Beer ADU. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and my untapped uh, account, at NV. Oh, I
0: forgot about the untapped. I'm also Anderson at Tech on that. There so. we go.
1: Yes, because we do talk about beer sometimes. And we have beer to talk about, too.
0: We do have beer to talk about, because why would we not get together and then not have beer? So. Right. Ben, um, I actually gave you this beer. Yes, so I know just what this now, is. Literally. Yeah.
1: So this is the Rheingeist brewery in Cincinnati. It is called Truth. Shockingly, it's an IPA that I really like. I know you drinking an yeah, IPA, in no way. And I am I'm literally reading untapped right now, and I do not have my readers. So that's why I'm like, oh, what does this say? Uh 7.2% ABV, 75 IBU. It is uh, it is it's good, it's solid, and then Kyle, this one, you got this beer from?
0: So I had it for the first time a few years ago. Uh, A good friend of the show, Dr. Randall Sampson, uh, asked if he could ship something to my house and have me bring it to Spring Q for Mm -hmm. him a few years ago. So I'm like, yeah, that's not a problem. It'll save you on... uh, airline luggage fee or whatever so he sends me this box and it comes in and it's super heavy it was a 24 pack of that stuff (laughs) it wasn't books it was beer no it was beer so (laughs) so it was 24 cans of uh the truth and uh so i ended up taking that to palm springs for him and he shared it with me and it was glorious well then uh last fall for my 40th birthday my wife's theme for my birthday party was bring kyle beer that you don't think he's ever had before a friend of mine he and his wife had just gone to Cincinnati. They're, they're doing the Ballparks Across America tour. Oh, sweet. So they were in Cincinnati for a game, and they went to the Ryan Geist Brewery, brought some of that in their Oktoberfest back. And he goes, he goes, here's something I don't think you've ever had. I'm like, oh, contraire, I have had that one, and yes. it's awesome.
1: It is super good. So now I have a reason. That is on my bucket list to do the Ballparks of America, but I have to wait till. Probably till I retire. Yeah. But it is on my list. But you, my friend, what what do you have? Okay, so classic. I'm classic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm in Reno and I, I can get this beer in Las Vegas, but I never think to pick it up uh, when I'm there. But um it's the Great Basin Icky IPA. Oh can never go wrong with it. It's just nope. it's just a solid IPA, six point four percent ABV, forty-six IBU. Um, it says I've only checked into this beer nine times. Um I've had a lot more than nine I of these beers
1: that's i I would say that that when i'm thinking about all my beers like my number one clearly is Pliny. i think that might be my number two rated on on uh untapped
0: yeah this one's just a solid solid beer from nevada's oldest brewery 1993 (laughs) (laughs) which uh people that drink yingling are thinking about really 1993
1: we had an older one tahoe beer but that's a whole other story
0: yeah so and then there was a we did have an episode on the rich brewing history of nevada that's And how state laws prevented breweries from happening and really until the early 90s. Right. And the owners of Great Basin helped get that going. So yep. now breweries are alive well and booming throughout the Silver State now at this point. So now we are together. Yes. And normally we have a guest, which we do have a guest. And the guest do. is in person as well. So I'm going to let you introduce the guest, though, because you, know, you, you have a slight connection to this guest. I'm
1: going to let the
2: guest introduce
1: herself. So, who are you?
2: Hi, I am Anne Marie Dixon. I am an educator uh, for 25 years, but my most wonderful accomplishment is being married to the amazing Mister Ben Dixon.
1: Oh, okay, right, whatever. Okay, yes. Yeah, so, so this is my amazing wife, um, who is also an educator, and you have never been on the show.
2: I've been on less with my friends. Oh, that's we right. did Thanks have that
0: episode. We did an episode you, here sorry. at the Pepper Mill, actually. We
2: did.
0: <laughs> so Oops, uh, see, I'm I, totally
1: thrown off. Sorry, so, we did we did record. Yes, you can oh, go no, back.
0: I, I stand corrected. I was in the Pepper Mill, were, but everybody were, else was, was at it? your my house. house. Yeah. So we did. Do yeah. That. Okay. So that was. I forget why. I, I think my parents were in town or something. Yeah, so I got to take advantage of the free hotel room for yes. the weekend or something. So. so
1: Yes. Besides being my amazing wife, you're an educator for 25 years. So, um, we don't really, I mean, you've done a ton of stuff. I think you should tell, I think you should tell your educational journey story.
2: My educational journey. Or we can just
1: tell your story about like, I don't know. You could tell whatever story you want. I mean,
0: well. I, I know a bit of the story about how you started and basically worked your you-know-what off to get to where you are. Like, started out in a bank or something. You, weren't you a bank teller or I something? I
2: was. I was. So I um, went to school here in Washoe County. I went to the alternative school. Um, I was kicked out of high school when I was 13. Um, I graduated when I was was 16 years old and i decided that i hated school was never going to go back to school so i worked in retail got a job in banking and then uh, ben and i um, were going to have our first child and i decided that i wanted to go back to school because i wanted to show my child that education was important and knew our children were going to go to school someday and i wanted to know that they were going to go have the best education so I decided to go back to school to become a teacher, Uh, worked as a teacher at Title I schools, absolutely loved it, Um, became an instructional coach and mentored Mm -hmm. new teachers, loved that, found that I loved working with teachers, Um, got my degree in administration, Uh, went into administration, worked as a principal, Um, And now I'm currently working in a central office position, working closely with principals. And I absolutely love what I do. And I'm very thankful that I'm in education.
0: Not bad for someone that hated school and got kicked out of it at 13. Thank
2: you. Thank you.
1: And graduate, but then also graduated at 16. So that tells you. I wanted out really bad. You wanted (laughs) out really bad. Super (laughs) motivated. Yeah. You were super motivated.
0: Now, before we go further, though, um, the alternative school that you went to, was this an alternative school where it was just, like, a, you know, these are the bare minimum things you need to get done to get through? Or did they have, like, kind of a – we would have called them vocational schools 20 years ago. Yeah. Did it have kind of a vogue theme to no, it? No. Um, at
2: that point in time, we did have a vocational program that Ben went to. I, them, went, to, I went to that school. Yeah. So the – The school currently exists, but it now um, has higher expectations. So when I went to school, the focus was more on that social, emotional piece, and then just getting us through the core content. Um, So we spent a lot of times really building strong relationships with our counselors and our teachers, and they really helped us on our journey. Um, So different focus, but just really great experience learning about educators who loved kids and wanted them to be successful.
0: Yeah, because I know in my previous district in Carson City, there was um, Carson High School, and then there was another high school called Pioneer. That was the alternative one. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the graduation requirements between the two, they were not as stringent for Pioneer High School. And then, and a lot of kids they wanted out before senior year at Carson High because over at Pioneer they didn't have to do a senior project. And a oh. lot of kids didn't want to do that. It's like, really, you just you're going to leave the school that you've known for three years just because you don't want to put in the work on a. Project Project. so I I that always baffled me a little bit but at the same time though that school was very good for a lot of kids depending on things a lot of kids with anxiety they couldn't handle large classes where they went there and there was only ten kids in a class so it was real good for
1: them yeah well and I think at the time that Amory went there and I had a lot of friends that also went there Um, we should joke it's the punk rock high school it was Mm -hmm. the punk rock high school all the punk rock kids went there and the skateboarder kids but um but now definitely that's that I mean there were kids got, you got your credits, you still graduated. And then, but now it does look a little bit different. It, I would say it's more of a, like a project-based learning type of school, right?
2: Yeah. It's, it's at your pace. Um, and there's a lot of focus on that relationship piece right. and, um, just trying to get, you know, the, the last it, education, um, has been really struggling with kids that don't fit in for years. You know, something that we all really have talked a lot about. How do we make sure that we help students that are not on that typical path and that might be working? Um, We have families that are dealing with different things and then throw the pandemic in. Um, We have really focused on making sure we have more options for, for our kiddos. So, Um, I would say that, yeah, it's much more rigorous. We have state standards that (laughs) we, of course, have to meet for kids to be able to graduate, um, but making sure that they can pace it out. And if they need to work or if they have anxiety, you know, and they don't want to be in a large classroom, which, you know, can totally understand, um, making sure that there's some options for them.
1: So then, so then you did this and then, you know, you kind of went through your educational journey. And then, like you talked about, like, you really got excited about like working with teachers, mentoring teachers. Um, So how did that start? Like, what was your first role in in doing that?
2: Um, I had actually no interest in doing that. And I had an assistant principal that came to me and said, you know, I I really feel like this would be good for you. I think it's something you'd be good at. And so I uh, started teaching classes and going in and supporting those newer teachers. And I found that I absolutely loved, you know, working with pre-service teachers and just that excitement and, you know, problem solving with them. Um, just, you know, it was really fun for me to do and then to bring in um, veteran educators to help mentor and then to come in and teach classes. So found that I just really loved that. And then from there, um, I had already gone and gotten a master's degree in literacy because I thought, you know, I, I want to be a really strong classroom teacher. And then I thought, you know, I want to go back to school again. And I want to be somebody that helps um, teachers to be successful in their classroom so I can have an impact on not just my classroom, but um, all, all classrooms in a school.
1: So then you got another master's
2: degree. I did. I did.
1: We had a whole conversation about this about about <laughs> this morning. About the twelve things that you're better than. Yeah, we at. were
2: talking. About we won't share But the them. competition. But one of them is that um, Ben is two years older than I am, and he's a little bit competitive. So when I got my master's degree, he went and got his. And then when I got my second one, he went back and got his. And then when the I became same. a principal, he went back and became a principal too. So I think it's a competition thing, and. Currently, I am I am winning. Yeah. Um, I don't want to rub it in, Ben,
0: but... So what's going to happen when you cure cancer? What what, what are you going to what do with that? I don't know are you
2: what going
1: I'm going to do? I'm gonna do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We had a whole discussion about... Well, I mean, seriously. So we, we have been together. We were trying to figure this out. We have been together 35
2: years? Uh, yep.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, we are... We, so, so the the thing is, is when you when you mer- when you start going out when you're in high school, and we all know kind of like the high school relationship was a competition. Mm-hmm. There was a whole basketball thing for a while. We competed about. We do have a competition in a lot of things. So, I think in some in our brains sometimes we are very much um, like well, teenagers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and the whole you 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 called the school the punk rock school or whatever. Yeah it totally makes a lot of sense now to me because I mean, I, I know your background, you were totally your punk or a skateboarder. And then I've seen pictures of you from that time mm-hmm. where you had kind of like this new wave slash goth slash punk look about you too. Mm-hmm. So it totally makes sense now yeah, why, why yeah. that school was like that. So
1: yeah. um, so then, so then you're, you you talked about mentoring, mentoring uh, teachers and then moving into mentoring principals. Like what is, what do you see that role now in like, like, What are you passionate about as far as that part of your job?
2: Um, I can say that um, one of the things that I think's been a really a benefit of the pandemic is that it's allowed us all to be a little bit more vulnerable with one another. So my favorite part of my job is getting leaders together to talk about their struggles, um, successes, what we can do to better support teachers students each other so my favorite part is that i'm able to work really closely with a group of people that um, are able to have an impact on uh, teachers and students and we're able to have really good conversations about balance and how to make sure that um, we're taking care of ourselves so we can take care of those around us so that i would say that's my my favorite part of what i do well
0: that's got to be a struggle right now because two years of the pandemic, I mean, that's kind of been the the hot button words, you know, mm-hmm. take care of yourself, take care of yourself, but, but really, how do you do that? So, and if you're not getting guidance from anybody that's above you, it might be hard to be able to do that. So it's almost like, I don't want to say you need permission to do it, but it kind of is like that.
2: Well, and I think pre-pandemic, you know, you didn't have permission to be vulnerable. When I first started in administration, it was incredibly competitive. Um, the people that were your peers, you were competing with them for jobs. You were competing for um, recognition. Um, so it was real. It was very competitive. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, we need to relearn that we're not in a competition. We're on the same. Um, we're on the same team. We're here to support each other, and we need to learn how to do that because I, I didn't have any um, balance prior to the pandemic. Um, when everything hit, I was going so fast that um, it, it hit me pretty hard because I did not know how to slow down. So it's been learning to slow down, um, learning how to say, It's okay, I'm tired today, and I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I encourage the people I work with, you know take some time and make sure that you take care of yourself. And if you ever have anything you need, you know, you let me know and I'm here to help you.
0: Well, and previously as well, it was taboo to be vulnerable. So I, I distinctly remember when I really started to open up about my struggles with mental health at times, Mm -hmm. depression, whatnot, having somebody DM me and say that I shouldn't have been that shouldn't have not have been so open about it because it could potentially cost me a job or something later on. And that 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 was never something that crossed my mind, and then I'm like, part of me was like, oh, maybe you're right, but part of me was like, who are you to tell me what I should do and say? And right. uh, but now it's something that, like, if somebody was to say that to somebody now, they would, uh, you know, the people that hate cancel culture will hate me saying this, but they would be canceled. If, if, in my opinion, yeah. if you were to tell someone like, no, don't open up about yeah. how. To, things are going for you
1: and that's we talked about we've talked Mm -hmm. about multiple things that have happened during the pandemic that have actually been benefits of of you know of of this i don't know what you want to call it a pause i mean i don't want to downplay the horrible things that happened during the pandemic but there's some things like people had to take a step back i mean when you can't go to work um you know we can have a whole discussion about dlt you know distance learning teaching and distance learning and what that looked like in teaching but and then i think as a society people had to stop and take a breath because when you can't go to work you just got to hang out at home yeah. you're kind of just like whoa got to reset and i think it did i think a lot of there it probably did bring a lot of i think i think it brought more recognition to people's own mental health and that like, like hey we gotta slow down i worried though now because as we kind of transition to whatever this normal is, this new normal. Like, I feel like people are like, oh, it's over, we're back, and everything is gonna start ramping up again. I don't know, I don't know. Do you yeah. see that?
2: I mean, I think that the the federal dollars that went into education for mental health mm. um, have really helped teachers, I think, to be more, more vulnerable to talk to their students about, you know, supports. And then I know that a lot of students are saying, you know, it's, it's really important that we focus on mental health and that we're having those conversations. So I personally think that we've been able to have a really great conversation and that, our young people are having really open conversations and it gives me really great hope that people are going to be able to say, you know, I'm struggling right now because who amongst us has not struggled and really felt right. like I cannot get up and do this anymore. I just need a break. And so I think that it, it's really powerful that we're um, we're having that focus um, in education. Of course we want, you know, to deal with the learning loss, but I think the focus is more on how are we going to make sure that we support um, mental health of, of our staff and our students and our families.
0: Yeah, I, I used to pride myself on never missing a day. I mean, right. I've had, in my 17 years, I have probably six or seven years where I didn't miss a day the right. entire year. Um, and, and if I did miss days, it was the personal days, that, the right. use them or lose them kind right. of deal, yes. where I'm like, oh, I'm going to take my personal day. And a right. lot of times those would be towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, let's make Memorial Day weekend a five-day right. weekend instead right. of a four-day weekend or something like that. But uh, this year, now granted, a lot of the days I've taken off were because of my five days I had to quarantine when I right. tested positive for COVID. Uh, then you had COVID scares with the kids, whatever, where they all tested negative, but had to stay home, right. whatever. So I've used, I think, 18 sick days this year. Uh, and a lot of it, again, is that, but there are days where I did not feel good, right. had, a, had a migraine and or whatever, you and you can't, I can't function when I start getting a migraine, right. mm-hmm. even if it's a mild one. I, cannot function but then there's also been days where I know that I'm not going to be able to to be the best that I can be if I was to go in it's just one of those days you wake up and you're just you don't feel right right and it could be a variety of things it could be stuff that's on your mind it could be just you ran yourself ragged over the weekend or whatever and just I took the day off told you know called in and said Mm -hmm. I don't feel good today I need to stay home and nobody's ever questioned me on it. I'm not abusing sick days. It's not like I took the sick day and then drove down to Los Angeles and went to a concert that's or something right. like that. You know, No, there's nothing like that, but that's something I wouldn't have done in the past. Well, and I think prior you're to exactly
1: right because I, like we joke about this, like how many sick days we have mm-hmm. um, and I have a ton. But, and I've taken way more sick days, partially like I was excluded for a while, you had to stay home. And I tell my staff now, I'm like, if you even think you feel bad, you can't come to work. And so I think that's had a benefit of people realizing that it's okay not to come to work. Because it was, you're right, it was like this badge of honor, like the badge of honor of like, I'm the first one in the parking lot. I'm the last one in the parking lot. I'm like, that's not healthy for anybody.
0: It yeah, really is. And then uh, the first meeting of the school year when the principal, hey, hey, here's our perfect attendance certificates for everybody from last year. Here we go. Let's all applaud yeah. and whatever. And there was always several people that were getting those. And I don't think you're going to see those no. as often now. Oh, right. So
1: yeah.
0: uh, be, because I think people are starting to realize I, how important it is to take the days.
1: No, know. I'm thinking about my, my own school. There is not one person that's not missed a day. Because, yeah, including me. So, oh. I mean, that's actually, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Things will, like you said, you can't be at your best. So, um, thinking about like with students and those kind of things, and you, this is like a throwback to the previous episode that you were on that I forgot about, but now I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really forget about it. Anyways um nice cover yeah uh you are you've done a lot of work around sel um restorative practices right. and those things like tell us about like how did you get involved in that and what does that look like
2: oh, okay um well when i um started at the school that i was principal at um last i found that there was really a need for relationships um we had a lot of behavioral issues. We had a lot of um, staff morale issues. So uh, we decided that we kind of would start with just that, you know, layer of PBIS, and then moved into SEL. Um, And then as we all started to have stronger relationships and be able to have really um, good conversations that were honest and based on what we were you know, our reality, our data, we decided we needed to bring in some cultural competency. And then we started doing restorative practices. And I would say restorative practices were um, a game changer for us. Um, It really helped my um, staff work with students, build relationships. They took time to get to know one another. Um, they, got, it, they took time to get to know their students, um, their peers. And then I took time as the principal. What I had found is I was always trying to, you know, be on top of everything. And I found that I needed to step back and build relationships with everybody that were more stronger and be more vulnerable. Um, so through that work, I became um, a certified um, restorative practice trainer. Um, I really strongly believe in that work. I utilize it in my personal life as well. Um, And it really helps with facilitating things and really just taking um, situations that are, are kind of broken and being able to help people heal and learn different perspectives. So big part of the work that I do and something that I'm very thankful that I was able to learn through education. I think I'm going to use it throughout the rest of my life.
0: So that was right away when you sort of started practices. That was uh, something that really tips on off me, because that that's in my district right now, that that's a really big word. Cause um a couple we of have years an ago
1: NRS about, in Nevada about Yes.
0: And and the biggest one of the biggest issues is that there's never been any training provided for teachers on this. Uh-huh. And um, along with that comes even students that are committing violent acts at school, the the system is not removing those students like they used to be, which, and I I agree with that to an extent, but we had an incident in my district last week, right before spring break started, uh, where a teacher was assaulted and uh, physically assaulted, unconscious, and then was sexually assaulted when she was unconscious in a classroom after school. And this is something that a lot of people say that this student wouldn't have never been in that situation had some sort of training in restorative justice been done prior to help intervene with this student or if the old system was because apparently this student had other incidents before that normally would have had that student removed so now granted it's still early there's yeah. a lot of details conflicting details coming out right. or whatever and we'll never know the whole story but um what does training in restorative practice looks like what does that look like? I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily have to be within your district, but just in general, since you are a certified instructor.
2: Yeah, and I mean, restorative practices are used um, outside of education as mm-hmm. well. So um, the conference that I attended, it was social workers, it was um, a lot of p- people who work in different government yeah. agencies, and then I Prison, know that um, prisons, like that. Yeah. those different types of things. So the idea isn't uh, um, not not having discipline um, because discipline is um, a part of it. But it's how do you repair um, harm? So what the training looks like is bringing a group of people together that want to start that work and then going and learning about how to ha- how to basically facilitate conversations. What it basically is, is it's being able to take um, people and help them to build relationships with one another. And then when something does take place, so I'll give an example of... Um, within a marriage, you know, if you have, not that Ben and I ever get in an argument, but (laughs) it is the ability to say, you know, have the training to help uh, maybe a couple to say, you know, what is the root cause of what's going on? What is, how? why are you reacting this way? And just helping them to have a conversation about, so being really vulnerable with one another. Um, But as we have all of these state laws, the big part about restorative practices is relationships. So if you don't have a relationship with someone else, you're not going to be able to have a restorative conversation with them. You can't have a really vulnerable conversation with somebody that you know nothing about. So there, there are trainings that take place. They know that um, nationally there, it is actually international. There are um, training modules. Um, A lot of districts have purchased those. A lot of districts have trainers within their district that um, that do mm-hmm. that work, and you can get cohorts of teachers to come together to start that work. And then for myself, I um, started with a small group, and then it turned into my entire staff did it. And we would have every morning the focus was um, a circle time where kids and adults would come together and just talk about, you know, a question. You know, how was how your how is your night, or how do you react to this? So just starting um, people to learn how to have conversations with one another, um, which I think you know with technology and all of those different types of things, you know, is difficult for some kids um, to do. So teaching them how to have a, a back and forth conversation. Well,
1: and I think people get stuck on the restorative because because we've all heard this where they're like, you just don't suspend kids anymore. And it's like, no, that that's still I mean we talk you have about progressive
2: the, discipline. Yeah. You and have I, mean, I would assume in, in every school across right. the country. But um, it's just making sure that you you heal the harm after it's been done. And I will tell you that for my school in particular, um, my behavior issues um, and suspensions and different things that took place, they decreased a great deal because kids, you know, knew that they, if they were upset, they could go and say, I'm having a really bad day. This happened. And then they could process as opposed to not being able to process, not knowing why they were upset and just going and punching somebody you know, right. teaching them when you're feeling like this, go like, go and talk to somebody that you trust. And that could be a teacher, that could be a, another student, um, just teaching them how to process right. when they're upset.
1: So I, I think that's the big part of like the restorative practices is that you talked about it, the restorative circle, mm-hmm. and like having kids and like, and we, you know, teachers call it different things, the morning meeting, all those different things. It's just that community builder. So like you said, when an infraction happens, like, if, if like, a, like, I'll give an example, and I do this with students, if two students have a conflict on the playground, then we come together and a lot of times, in the old system, it was students have a conflict, student who was the, the victim really just tells what happened and then the person who was the offender has a consequence and then we're done and then nothing ever happens. Whereas in a restorative conversation, that victim needs to have that opportunity to talk to, if, if it's appropriate, talk to that other student and say, hey, when you did this, this made me feel this way. And then the other person has the opportunity to say, you know, to understand that and then also explain, okay, here's why, or, you know, maybe why they did it. You did this and that made me mad. Um, And then we all always do, what do you need from the other student? So I I encourage kids to learn how to say, hey, I don't like when you do that. I need you to stop that um, rather than I'm just going to tell the duty teacher and then that kid's in trouble. And then it's like, and you don't know as a kid, like, did anything get taken? Like, you don't know what happens. So I think that's a big part of the story.
2: Yeah, and I would say that modeling it as adults too is another big part of it. Um, I know that as a principal, when I had, you know, students that might be having Um, some kind of a conflict or I I was emotionally involved in it, I would say to them, you know what, you guys, I'm I'm really quite upset about this right now. I need a 10 minute break. I need to go cool down and then I'm going to come back. I'm going to talk to you about it. So telling kids it's okay as adults and telling other adults, it's okay (laughs) to take a break um, and think about it and share with people kind of how you're feeling. So when you get to that really high level, being able to have that done um, throughout the school, I think is really, really powerful.
0: Yeah, I see a lot of this in my daily work with my caseload. Uh, right. I've, I've written a lot of behavior plans in the last <laughs> few weeks. So, because as the school years
2: progressed, uh, it's, spring.
0: Start, <laughs> it's spring, things are starting to happen. And with some of the kids, it was, it was, one of my students, it was one that I just got in my caseload a while back, the teacher that had him before left. And so I, I couldn't even find this kid for a month because he was never at school. And then, uh, then he ran away from home oh, wow. for a while and was just dis- had disappeared we came back and I finally met him seemed like a really great kid and uh very impulsive so yep. I wrote I wrote a behavior plan uh along with their annual IEP and then three days later third offense on something oh. I won't get into and will no longer be at my school so wow. so I have a manifestation as soon as we get back from spring Ooh, break or in regarding is. this instance so that's not fun because I really I really truly believe this is a good kid that just had made really poor impulsive decisions. And now I'm not going right. to have the opportunity to work further on that. So, and then uh, another one that I have is just, um, I, I truly believe that it's not always just behavior issues. There's other things yes. involved in it. And with working with another student, when I tested their academic skills, their academic skills were so low. Mm-hmm. I believe that's contributing to a lot of the right. behavior issues right. because if they know that they can't do something, then throw the hands up right. and they're just gonna do what they do. And then- They don't wanna a look lot of, stupid. No, and yeah. then and then a lot of people, their peers and their teachers, they don't understand that. So then that just exasperates the problem right. more. Right. So when, when I when I go through all this data, I, when I academically tested this student, I'm like, I go, this explains so much to me right. now. Uh, the, this student has like a reading level of a six-year-old as a high school student. Wow. And like, no wonder this kid, acts out the way right. they do right. because of that. so yeah the, the frustrations there wow. and then the more they get frustrated the more angry they get and then outbursts and um different things that right. are not necessarily appropriate so it's yeah. it's it's going to be an uphill climb on this one as well so but i i have faith that now that i've kind of what i believe discovered the root of the issue maybe others will uh, right. see it though too and things can improve on that
1: yeah um so not only with restorative practices, I, I know you also work with mentoring um, kids moving into college. So how so? tell us, how did you get involved in that, and what does that look like?
2: Um, I attended, um, pre-COVID, um, a Hispanic Chamber of Commerce meeting, and during that meeting, they talked about needing mentors up at um, our local community college, and I signed up to help Um, with that work. So I kind of am just a a check-in person to see if they need anything. A lot of the kids are first time in college. Some of their parents have not gone to college. So just kind of steering them. Um, Luckily, we've got two kids that have um, made it through college. So I kind of help steer them to who to talk to. She really
1: steers three people through college yeah, well <laughs> it'd be me also you're the
0: third kid uh-huh. though, I, yeah, so. I was I'm, the first one. i'm
2: quite an She's, expert on this she you know? is, she is. Um, you, but it's it's nice to to talk to um kids that are just kind of starting out and either know what they want to do or don't know what they want to do but um, just really excited to be in education and i know that there's a lot of talk about you know you don't really need an education which as an educator that's hard for me to hear and i totally get it um, but I do think that you do need to have some kind of training or, or skills, right. you know, based on whatever you want to do in the world. So I really enjoy working with um, the young adults on helping them seek their path in the world.
0: Are these uh, kids that have declared that they're going to become educators or are these just college yeah. kids in general? Uh, just in okay. general.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And then you just... You like help them like make sure they get signed up like what is that you just I, or do you just I check do in a, with a them?
2: check in kind of just ask them you know how are you feeling my last meeting we talked about the anxiety of finals and just try right. and we talked about balance and then I we also talked about you know timelines deadlines right. that when you're really tired out you've also got deadlines to to think about. So making sure they're, you know, looking ahead to the schedule, making sure that they've got their community service hours and all those stipulations for their scholarships. Okay. Yeah. So very rewarding. I'm enjoying it very much.
0: So I'm going to rewind quite a bit at this point because I've heard all these things that you've done in education and what you're doing now. And, you know, once again, going back to that whole, you basically left school at 13, but then graduated at 16. What flipped and convinced you to go to a career in education, knowing how much you hated school and how badly you wanted to get out of it, what what was the driving force that brought you to education in the first place then? Um,
2: I would say um, my husband. So my husband's mother- I was
1: not in education. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: You were, you, you were gonna be a high school teacher and your mom was a teacher. Um, so when I met um, Ben and was able to Connect with his family, um, very different family dynamics. My um, parents were divorced, and um, we had some some things, some struggles. Um, and then going and meeting Ben's family, um, two parents, both college educated. Um, and then my stepfather, um, once my mom remarried, was an educator. So it just kind of helped me think about, you know, I wanted to do something to help others. Um, I wanted to be the teacher that kids could go to and say, this teacher really cares about me. Cause I really didn't, you know, when they have you think back, who's that teacher that made an impact? I don't have one. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to be that right. person that could be a positive impact on, on kids. And then I also wanted to be able to support my own kids, right. um, through education. And I've shared this before. My dad um, dropped out of school when he was in middle school, he was a Spanish speaker. Um, and he really, um, was, not he was not literate, so it was very difficult for him. As he got older, he really struggled, and I wanted to help kids that I didn't want anybody to not have the opportunity to have um, an education, since I saw the impact that it had on my own family.
1: Well, and I was trying to think. I remember, remember, you were working at the bank mm-hmm. at the one of the banks you worked at, and you did like a community service with a with a
2: school. Yeah, they they had us go in and read to. Kids. To, to kids, yeah, in a classroom, and I was scared to death to do it, but I went in, and then I think I got you to come with me. You did. Uh-huh, to to read again. And yeah, then, I don't know why. Yeah I, yeah, I did some volunteer work. Yes. Thank you for helping me. You know? <laughs> I did do some volunteer work. <laughs> and we had our
1: work. own, and our son, and at that point,
2: our we, our, our son, son was born. Was born, uh-huh, and then when I was
1: pregnant, pregnant with,
2: with our second child, yes. I left banking, and yes. I went to work for the school district. Um, and then, uh, in the, um, business office and then went back to school. I got a scholarship, um, to go back to school. I think we kind of, yeah, we kind of
1: like both decided to go into education. Around better. the same, yeah. At the same
2: time. Around the same time. Um, you, yeah. Yeah. That was one competition. It's a long time ago. I don't started remember. started a year before me, but we did Yes.
1: The same time. Oh, this is, oh, yes. I, we, I did start a year. No, I started a year before you.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, two years probably.
1: So Dude. you beat
0: her at one thing then.
1: No. I okay, no, I did start 2 years before her. She did I didn't graduate but we did our I did my student teaching a semester. You were like
2: yeah. You were your Ben has enough credits to be a doctor. That's the because joke in he my loves house. Being, he, ben, I love he loves classes, and I being do. in school. He lo- I still, I
1: still it. am like, I should go back because I'm like two credits short of my <laughs> English degree and one credit short of my history degree to teach high school. And then I flipped and went to elementary ed. So, but you went and got a dual in an elementary and, in and special education. Did you have a special education background? Yes. yes. Yeah. Maybe no. I'll go
0: back. I, I like to joke that I'm the most educated person in my school that does not have a doctorate because I have my bachelor's, I have a master's in ed, I have an EDS in school admin, <laughs> yes. and now I have a master's are, in special ed. So I essentially have three master's, because an EDS, um, so if, you, if listeners, if you don't know what EDS is, it stands for educational specialist, it's above a master's degree, but it's not a doctorate. So it's kind of like that in between. So- oh. To make life easier when people ask me my degrees, I just say three master's degrees just to make it easy. You're not going
1: to get your doctorate, dudes.
0: Maybe someday, but that's a lot of money.
1: It's and, a lot of and money. I, it's a lot of money. And
0: I mean, we can talk for hours just on student loan debt, which I have. <laughs> yes. I'll be open. I have 75 grand student loan debt, so which uh, oh, someday true. it'll get paid off. I mean, yeah. I'm not against paying it off, but I'm really hoping for that whole either hit the mega bucks and just pay it off or maybe the federal the, the government blanket all, wipe the, out. Yeah. Just wipe it all out. Kind of, kind of deal. So yeah, I'm not,
1: we're with you. I'm, yeah.
0: I'm not very, very optimistic about that happening <laughs> though, So, but, um, no, so I, I love school too, but I mean, my story is a lot different than yours. I went yeah. to, I graduated high school, went right into college and, uh, but you
1: played sports
0: too. and I did, I did. I played football in college and, uh, I probably would have graduated a year earlier. Had I not played football in college because, uh-huh. uh, that's time consuming. And, uh, I actually had enough credits to where, the semester before student teaching, I only had to go part-time. I only oh, had to take, wow. I can't remember if it was five or seven credits is all I had to take that right. semester beforehand. I took like my social studies methods class. And then I think I had to do one more PE credit class. So I took like inter. Intermediate weightlifting, because <laughs> I had already taken weightlifting prior to that. Yeah,
1: what is intermediate? Like, I'm going to lift more weight. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think I think the difference was beginner weightlifting, which was an absolute joke for me. Because I took it because you it played like, football I played football. This was my opportunity that three days a week, I knew I could get my lift in. <laughs> so the intermediate weightlifting, I think if I remember right, we went into more advanced lifting. Like oh, okay. um, I don't think we did squats or power oh, right. cleans in oh. beginner weightlifting. Answer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I still to this day can't do a snatch. The like just so the, the whole that. movement is just
1: that's how you break your back.
0: Yeah. Cause I've gone to CrossFit gyms. Uh, I was just gonna all say, times.
1: That's a CrossFit thing. Yeah.
0: And those CrossFit people, if you're a CrossFitter, you're part of a cult. Just admit it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> CrossFit is a cult, okay. You know, whatever—that's your prerogative. But it's a cult, um, and they are. Then there's the CrossFitters that, thats all they want to do is snatches. I'm like, you guys are nuts. So the, those that's snatches crazy. are no joke. And and I am a, one of my best lifts when I was into weightlifting was a standing shoulder press. So oh, nice. so the strength to do a snatch is part of that motion. But then there's yes. that whole like jumping and spreading the legs yep. out and flipping. and flipping all the. It's, yes. I can't get it all down in one. <laughs> motion it's just really weird we're
1: going to so. have
2: to google this when this is over
1: never i never seen mean, that don't know what it is, oh so yeah it's it's a crazy
0: it. crazy it's,
1: it's similar like they do kind of similar like like with kettlebells it's like a because in the kettlebell you don't jump but you swing yeah. it's a oh, swing okay. it's like a yeah. swing and a press
0: and if you've ever in the summer olympics the weightlifting yes, competitions it's, it's the that's thing. one of the main lifts in the in the weightlifting yeah. competition they i know they okay. always do like cleans are always the thing, yes. one thing they do. But snatches, the overhead snatch is another one
1: they yes, always super do. It, so it, it will hurt you. And those
0: are the people that are just massively, like, yes. oh, just, yeah. just huge. So and it used to be like, I, you know, back in the day, it was the Russians. The yes. Russians were always oh, really good at yeah. Yeah. at that weightlifting sure. competitions. Yeah. So, but um, so wow, this conversation really turned to some weird place <laughs> at this <laughs> it's point. Like, so, this
1: is what happens when we're together?
0: Right. <laughs> I'm okay with That's this though. About- so. You know, so if people are still listening, drifting. they're probably wait, at least they realize how crazy they are. Yeah, so, we're gonna talk about weightlifting now. yeah, so but, um, yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since we saw each other yes. in person. So, and like you said, we we see each other in video every right. few days and then t- we talk quite a bit, we text each other all yes. the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, uh, but no, this is the first one in almost two years, so it's, yeah. been, it's really nice. So, but, um, I do have to, we, we do this every now and then, we're gonna steal it from Josh and Mike yes. real quick. Ben, what have you have you been
1: listening to lately? Oh, what's on my oh yeah. Well, when we were in the car, we were listening to Joy Division. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And, yeah, so we did listen to Joy Division. Here, I'll pull up my I'll pull up my my play. The thing that I listened to today because I rode my bike and I listened to music when I rode indoors because it's it's shockingly Northern Nevada weather. It's sunny right now, but the wind is a hundred miles
0: an hour well and i'm looking at the mountains outside the hotel window about six seven miles to the south of us and there's a haze there that looks like it could be snow
1: it, there is down. snow and the snow had melted mostly but now it's back so i have I, you know what i've been listening to a ton of Husker screwed minneapolis okay. one of the original yep. minneapolis punk bands yep such a great band so i yeah i've been listening to Husker du. Husker Do, Husker Don't. Yes. So, Husker Do, man. Warehouse Songs and Stories, Zen Arcade, all super good. So that's what i nice. been listening to.
0: Um, Ghost New Album Impera came out recently. Oh, I, saw, I read that thing about it. I, I bought two copies of vinyl, one from Zia Records that came on a, like an orchid colored vinyl with yes. special edition stickers. And then I bought the Target exclusive, which was like a magenta vinyl with artwork or whatever. and so what's it called? And then, it's um, called, the,
1: is I-M-P-E-R-A
0: the I, I, is the is the title of the new album and uh it is just I mean it it's classic ghost where he's very very I, heavily he, influenced yes. by like 80s glam oh. metal and and you, power metal but then it's also like this doomy and sludgy at times it's,
1: it's like doom rock
0: yeah so and then I mean he's very open about the fact that he is anti- um organized religion so yes. there's some satanic themes to it a little bit so but um the there's an opening there's an opening tr- uh, instrumental track that just kind of sets the tone and then the first song after that is kaiserian his name is this t- song and it has this really great like 80s power metal um yes. guitar riff and then he comes in sounding like bruce dickinson of iron Maiden with yep. this ah. It's incredible. <laughs> I've so, shown
1: you Emery uh, uh, knows who it is. She, I'd have to show her the picture. You, yeah. you saw the picture, you'd be like, I know that guy. I'm yeah,
0: yeah, Tobias. Um, I can't, I'm drawing blank yeah, on his real name, is but
1: Danish or Swedish,
0: they're Swedish. So, yes. and you know, for the longest time, he just went by his stage name, yes. Papa Emeritus. But then,
1: and people didn't know who he was. Yeah, but was then, like then there was a
0: lawsuit thing. where he had to reveal who yes. he was. And uh, because uh, former band members who are the nameless ghouls is what his band is referred to yes. as. They sued him over royalties and not being paid enough for tours and whatnot. So he had to reveal yeah,
1: himself. He dresses like the Pope in black. Yeah. And he wears a lot of makeup. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. And all his band is in makeup. And yeah. Like, and
0: like these silver masks. Yeah. They all wear masks. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. No, that album, it's so good. And then the I other one, that. the other one I've been really digging, I, I sent to you. I said, so you got to yes. check this out is um, an album uh, called Hygiene by a band called Drug Church. And I it have is
1: not, yes, and is is I have really it on my good. list. Yeah. It's on my download
0: list. I'm not going to go as far as saying that it's 2022's um, Turnstile, Ooh.
1: but... but uh, you did tell me it's like that.
0: But there is a little bit of late like, 80s hardcore vibe
1: in this yeah, Drug Church yes. album. Too, my, poor, so. my poor wife has to watch a lot of YouTube videos of like going down <laughs> the rabbit hole of like, hey, look, it's Turnstile, or hey, look, it's this. Yeah. I don't know. We watch a lot of... So, so if you're out there and you want to watch something funny, you have to see, uh, what is it, Two Minutes to Late Night. We've talked about this. Yes. With Guarcinio Hall, and he will get different bands. Right, now. He used to do a show in New York, which was like a talk show, like a metal talk show. But, and then he had a band, a house band called Mutoid Man, which is made up of, like, legendary New York hardcore people.
0: Not um, youth of today. and um... the,
1: uh, the one guitar player was in i can't remember the name of it was it um, gorilla biscuits no it might how. have been yeah I, I don't i'd have to look it up but anyways they do a bunch of great covers with different people like guys from mastodon baroness uh um I'm trying so ba-
0: basically 80s hardcore mixed with like prog and, yeah, and sludgy but doom they, rock but I love do it.
1: covers of like they do a great cover of stevie nicks like they do a great cover of um Van Halen stuff, Prince. Prince yes. Love it, yes, love yeah. it. So poor Amory will watch tons of those videos.
0: <laughs> so the other one on the drive from Vegas to Reno the other day, um, my dad had me take control of the, the streaming. And I am like, wow, you're going to let me do this? Um, we always, yeah, growing up, the, the Road Trip album was always Bob Seger's greatest hits. Yeah. So we always, we listened to that one. But then I, I put on all Greta Van Fleet's albums in a row. we oh, And we yeah. listened to... Greta Van Fleet's first album all the way through the last song of their third, their newest album on the way up here the other
1: day. So We've watched Greta Van Fleet. Anne-Marie, really, who do you listen to a lot of? We just had a conversation. I know, about. I
2: can't pronounce the name of the band, though. They're from, they're Italian. The
1: Italian band. They're they're Maniskin. skin. I'm not aware. called
2: Began. Beggin'.
1: I is mean, the they're- one is really popular. Yeah, It's called Beggin'. They're
2: very talented.
1: They want, they're on like, what's that? What's the Euro, Eurofest or whatever the- Like the, the,
2: the thing in the Sound of Music, where they have The Euro,
1: the contest, oh, oh. the music
0: contest. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so
2: they're like, a, I don't
1: know, they're like, they remind me of Greta Fleet a little bit. Like heavy talented, guitars, yeah. kind of 80s, metal, kind of yeah. like- They're very L- glam. Cla- they're, they're classic very rock glam, vibe. Very glam, like, yes. We were just looking up. We were debating going to, uh, to um, Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza in Chicago. And then I was like, there's got to be a Lollapalooza. I don't know. We were just talking. We went to the first Lollapalooza because we're old. <laughs> yes, we, we went did. to the very first one. I'm like, wow. We I remember watching
0: highlights of it on MTV because that's when MTV still played yes. music.
1: <laughs> we saw tons of people there. Yeah. I'd have to look. I, I know it was Ice Cube. I know Nine inch saw, nails may have been on that. It might have been. We saw either we saw Jane's Addiction or Porno for Pyros. I don't remember which iteration of the band one of Perry Farrell's. Yes, one yeah. of Perry yeah. Farrell's bands. We saw we saw tons yeah. of bands. So, anyways, yes. So that's what Emery's. I don't yeah. know what else. She Emory drives around in her car a lot. I don't. I listen to podcasts mostly. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you so, go.
0: And I did see Incubus uh, a Ooh, few weeks ago, which I would was love really anyone. good. So would Incubus good. is that's the third time I've seen them, and they. They're like fine wine. They get better with age. Oh, They're so good. So. I would
1: love to see that. That is a great band. So I
0: forgot about that now. so there you go. Josh, Mike, we, we totally stole we your bit so again. So. We don't
1: have a learn about. So we had to talk about, yeah, to talk to about something to to wrap else. up the show. So,
0: yeah. So speaking of wrapping things up, if you would like to continue the conversation, there are lots of things that you can do to do. So you can email us at info at beeredupodcast.com. You can tweet us at beeredupod using hashtag beeredupod. Hit us up on Facebook at Beer UD Podcast. That's all one word. Follow us on Instagram at Beer UD Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash Beer edu YouTube. And then, Anne-Marie, are you on Twitter? And do you have a handle that you'd like to share?
2: I have not been on. I have to be honest. I haven't been on Twitter for about a year. So That's okay. Sorry. Because,
0: no, you had to get away from stuff like that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've scaled back my Twitter. Um, but I'm still That's there. True. And I still tweet stuff. but just not like I used to. I was like the... 50 tweets a day kind of guy there oh, yeah, for a while. Too. So, but um then please leave us a review yes. wherever you listen to your podcast and so Mark can find the show. And uh Ben, if they want to be a guest on the show, they're probably not gonna be able to do it in person like we did this one. But yeah. how do they do
1: it? So go to, beer to you podcast.com click on that contact and subscription info link and complete the guest form. And you can get in the queue. And then we have to make sure we thank some people. So school rubric, they feature the EDU. The Beer EDU podcast. Their mission is to help schools, educators, parents, and students tell their stories so that all stakeholders can make the best choices about enrollment and staffing. So go to schoolrubric.org to find more great content. And then we are also part of the Codebreaker Podcast Network. So you can find and listen to other great educational podcasts like Teachers Talking Teaching. Student-Centered World, STEM Every Day, Teachers on Fire, My Ed Tech Life, and the BEER EDU Podcast. So check out CodeBreakerEDU.com.
0: Yeah, this would be normally where we do that learn about, but we yeah. are not going to do one. We did not prep one because we decided it'd be more fun to just hang out yeah. and not worry about spending more time looking stuff up. No. Um, so, But we'll have more learn yes. Um I will say, though, that it is a lot harder. To come up with learn about topics now that we're running we are, out. Uh, yeah, we're 125 episodes deep at this point, so we're becoming. We might need to pickings.
1: rehash one. We'll do like two
0: Yeah, tests. go back and yeah, do them again. It uh, yes. like you know because there's still you get people you talk to them still they're like wait what's ABV? Yeah. So we need we, we might, we might go have back. to start going we back to, do to like a beer one hundred one. Yeah, do something like that. So, but um, uh, so thank you as yes. always, listeners and. Emory, Marie, thank, thank you, you for coming oh, on and joining us here.
1: A thank, thank you so, for being my amazing wife yeah, for so, 30 plus years.
0: I know it's probably better than the you all-term know, sitting at home by yourself and then having to join us for dinner here in a little bit, anyway. <laughs> so, but um, and listeners, as always, thank you for listening. We love hearing from you until next time, you be the Paul's compsie
1: with you. Right on.